Well, what's up, Journey family? How you guys feeling this morning? All right, all right, we're getting there. We're getting there. It's so great to have you here as part of the journey today. My name's Abby. I am our Next Steps pastor. And as you can see, we're right in the middle of a series called Mind Games, which is all about finding strength for the struggle from within. And I know over the last 18 months, for so many of us, we have experienced mental weight and mental struggle, and maybe ways that we never have before. And so for the last couple of weeks, we have been collecting your questions about mental health, about depression, anxiety, thought life, so many other things. And today we've got our lead pastor, Mark, who is going to be on the hot seat answering your questions live. You guys ready for that? Yeah? All right. Well, uh, we are really excited too because this morning want to say a big welcome, not just to our online JFAM, but to our Hocassin family. Can you guys help me give it up for Hocassin, everybody? There you go. That woke you up. I love it. And so we're going to have Pastor Mark on out here. He's going to be answering. Um, he'll have five minutes to answer each of your questions. And one of the things that we're doing this weekend is each gathering, we will have different questions. So if you don't hear your question answered during this gathering, you can come back. You can also check out all of our gatherings this week on our YouTube channel. We'll have them all posted there And it's also a great way, maybe you hear a question today or you hear a question as you're listening to some of those other gatherings and, and you think of a friend or a family member and something that, that they're going through. This is a great way for you to be able to share that with them just from that YouTube channel, all right? And so without further ado, help me welcome Pastor Mark, everybody. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's so great to have you here. How you feeling? I feel great. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. We're Fantastic. Wake, we're it's waking like a, them up slowly but surely. It's like a talk show dream come true I right know. here. Um, I kind of like feel yeah. like I'm Oprah. Really? We should like get I don't know should... who I feel like I'm like. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know. Okay. But I'm glad to be here. I just want to like give stuff away now, you know, <laughs> but it is. Great. So, but I'm going <laughs> to give away some questions that they ask. I think them. we are giving something away today. If you are... join a J group for the first time, you get a free book. That is. Spoiler <laughs> I alert. I am like Oprah. I know. There Every, we go. Yeah, there we go. So. All right. All right. So before we jump into this, anything that, that you want to share? Uh, well, I am glad we're doing this, even though I'm a little nervous. You know, it's, you did mention I haven't seen any of the questions in advance, that correct? That's true. Yeah, so I don't know if Abby mentioned, but I haven't seen any of the questions in advance. Also, I haven't seen any of the questions in advance. So there's that. Yeah, have not. Not a single one. Uh, so, you know, that's a little nerve-wracking. And I do um, want to say, you know, right up front, I am not a mental health professional. So that's not the lens through which I'm um, uh, going to share today. But I am excited we're doing this because I know this is such a pressing thing for so many of us and for people that we care about. And so, yeah, we're going to jump in and see what happens. And, and uh yeah, just one other thing I'd like to say is I haven't seen any of the questions in advance, so. Is that seat so, feeling hot right now? Well, you know, I do a lot of preparing for the average weekend, and this week was just please God over and over again. All yeah, right. I just sort of, yeah, so that was my preparation. If yeah. it gets bad, we'll just pray. You know, that's, <laughs> right. always, that's always a good, <laughs> right. a good thing, right? Awesome. Okay, you ready to yeah. do this? Let's jump in. And what's up, Hocassin? I want to say that, and what's Hocassin! up online? Yeah. All right, awesome. you guys did better earlier. There you go. Cool. There you go. All right, you guys ready? Let's do it. Wanna do it? Okay. All right. You have not seen this in advance. I have not. Okay. All right. So, first question. Yeah. Somebody asked, I have.
faith for everyday situations, but I still worry about the future. How can I defeat worry? Well, that's a great question. And um, I think all of us have struggled with worry at some point. If you haven't, you're not paying attention to the world, (laughs) you know, I think, because there's so much that happens in our lives that is so unpredictable and so much that happens around us that we can't control. I think worry is grasping for control. That's how I've come to see it. And I can be a worrier for sure. And I think what happens to me is I'm gonna take a little step deeper than worry because we're talking about mental health during this series. And I think worry is very normal. It comes and goes, but there are places where worry becomes anxiety or becomes something that is so overwhelming that we're, we're sort of paralyzed by it. And that's when it becomes destructive. So if you can't shake it off in a few minutes or get over it, then you know it's something more pressing. And I have really begun to understand that it is me grasping for control. And in kind of an interesting way, it is me trying to play God. Now, I would never put it in those words. I'm worried. I must be trying to be God. You know, I would never say that. But I think there is something for me, at least, that when I'm struggling with worry about the future, I am, I am operating outside of my pay grade. Like, I'm just not God. And so, you know, over and over, I don't have, you know, I have five minutes. So that's always tough when you're a preacher. But um, I think that there's this whole concept around presence that we don't really understand. And I know there's a lot of like, you know, maybe new agey things out there about be present. And we kind of write it off as a touchy-feely thing. But it's actually a very spiritual concept. In the scriptures, we see God's people over and over again seeking his presence And I think when we seek God's presence, we are seeking to be with God in this moment, let him cover our past, hold our future, and just be with God in this moment. And so the presence of God is what grounds me when it comes to worry. I will tell you what doesn't work. Trying to explain it away does not work. Trying to pretend I'm not worried does not work. Uh, Trying to fix whatever, you know, make sure I control my life and everything's gonna work out the way I want it to does not work. But when I ground myself in the moment with God and I remind myself that I have a God who has covered my past and is holding my future, then it's not like it's a switch that gets flipped and all my emotions go away, but that's okay because I'm a follower of Jesus. So my emotions are not my leader and Lord, my Christ is. He's the one who leads me and guides me. In fact, when, when you are living in submission to your emotions, your emotions lead and your devotions follow your emotions. But when you're a follower of Jesus, your devotions lead your emotions. And we don't allow our emotions to be leader and Lord of our lives. And so I think being present with God is recognizing I've got this emotion of worry. I can't control it. I don't, we can't go, okay, I will never worry again. You're gonna worry about how long you're gonna keep that commitment. Like, I mean, it's not, it's not gonna work. So we can't control when worry comes, but I'll, you know, I mentioned this uh, before, and I've, some of you have heard me talk about it. We don't get to decide who rings the doorbell. We get to decide who stays for dinner. And when worry comes, it's, don't feel guilty about, I'm worried. It's like, oh, worried's at the door. I can either answer it and go, hey, come on in, control my life. Or I can open the door and go, no, thanks. I'm not buying today. I have a God who holds my past, holds my future. I'm gonna be present with him. I'm gonna replace that worry with devotion. So when an emotion comes that is not helpful for me in a moment, I don't try to pretend it doesn't exist, but I go, my devotion leads, my emotions follow. And then I would say one more piece on that. If you find yourself, you're trusting God day to day, but you're worried about the future, um, there, there might be something kind of triggering that or driving that for you that it would be good to back up and do a, what am I worried about? And um, my wife, Susie, has struggled with anxiety uh, in the past, so have I. And one of the things that she told me has been helpful for her is when she's anxious or worried about something, uh, I did this a couple of months ago. I was like, okay, 
let's, let's assume that whatever you're worried about is going to happen, which was a big risk because I'd like to stay married, you know? So I was like, I'm gonna take a big risk here. I'm gonna try something different rather than going, oh, don't worry, that won't happen. I was like, let's, let's assume it will. What then? So if that happens, what then? And I just kept asking. She's like, well, you know, this could happen and then life could get really difficult and I could, str-. and I was like, okay, let's assume all that's gonna happen. What then, what then, what then, what then, what then? Eventually you end up with, I guess I'm gonna have to trust God. All right, so let's reverse engineer that. Let's go all the way, elevator goes to the bottom floor. What am I gonna have to do if my whole life falls apart? Trust God. What if I decided just to do that in advance? So I'm gonna take all that what then and give it to God and figure out like what's driving, what am I really worried is gonna happen and do I believe God is in charge of that or do I believe I'm in charge of that? And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's what I got. That's good. I have like 20 seconds left. I feel like I'm cheating people. I don't know. I mean, that was so good. Are you sure you didn't see the questions at the time? <laughs> Absolutely positive, just to be clear. We don't lie in church. Yeah, yeah, we don't. Yeah, uh, don't lie anywhere. That's kind of a thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Just, that's not one of the questions, but I just figured you I'd... You just preached to me. I don't know about that. <laughs> there you go. There's that. You're welcome. All right, so next question. Now, this is actually one of the most asked questions okay. in some way that we got. Um, so this question says, what are your thoughts on medication for mm. mental illnesses? I've attended churches that have discouraged it, citing that the only thing that you need is faith yeah. to correct it but I know that it can be helpful. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a big question. And I wanna make sure that I, you know, it's impossible to fully answer that in five minutes. And again, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a mental health professional. But I think there is sometimes this thing of, well, you, you know, if you, to use medication is to not have faith in God. And I would just say, okay, if that's what you believe, let's play that out. I mean, you don't need a car float to work. You don't have faith in, why would you need a car to get you to work? Just float there, because you have faith. Uh, You you know, you don't need Tylenol, you have faith. If you break your arm, you don't need a cast, just let it flop around. You don't, like, (laughs) just because you have faith, you know. And I, you know, I don't mean to be trite, but I think that can be, in some ways, it can become dishonoring to God, because then we, we begin to treat God like he exists as a genie. I think the relationship we have with God is that he is a God who has healthy boundaries. He promises to do what we can't and insists that we do what we can. That's a God with, which is a great rule of thumb for relationships, by the way, and parenting, just a thought, throwing that out there. But God is a good father, and so, so I think I would just say zooming out with anything like that, and I'm, I've mentioned this before, but it's like, I think God sometimes is going, so you don't think, you think that taking medication is not relying on me. Well, I created people, they created the medication. What's the problem here? Like, I, you know, I've been involved in this process. Why, why are you... And I would just say, I think we need to be wise about that. Like, let's not push God, oh, it can't be God because it didn't, he didn't zap me. That's not the only way God works. He is a, he's too big a God to fall into our little narratives about what he can do and what he can't do. And so I think if he wants to work, just like I exercise, that's not a lack of faith. That is a reality. My body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. If I don't take care of it, it's, you know, I'm not presenting it to God. That's not a lack of faith. That's me doing what I can. Yeah, I don't wake up in the morning and say, God, don't let me get any cavities. I'm never gonna brush my teeth, but don't let me get any. No, it's everybody tracking with me? So I think it's important to understand that there are things that God has allowed human beings to create that are good and healthy for us or can be, and we need to open ourselves up to that and not carry around the stigma. And this hits really close to home um, because I have a, a, a family member a few years ago, an uncle who, 
who died because he refused medical help because he believed he needed to have faith in God. And I would just, you know, to, to look at my aunt and look at his family and say, hey, you know, that in some ways in that particular case, I think was a self-absorbed decision. And it's not just about us. So I would say if you're dealing with something and there's a medical intervention that's possible, pray, seek God's guidance, but don't write that off as if that's a lack of faith. Flip side of that, I think this is really important as well. Medication is just one part of the equation. And the other side of that is I see people, I think, in our generation, and I unfortunately see people in the medical community who are just like, well, I've, you know, you're, I've got 10 minutes with you, and then I've got the next person, so take this pill. And that's not healthy. So don't undiscerningly just pop pills. I think we need, to, we need to zoom out and go, you know, this pill might get my head above the surface for me to deal with the real issues. But the real issues in our lives are much more holistic than just the chemical imbalances. A chemical imbalance can be one part of the equation, but you are not a one-dimensional creature. We live in a culture that is reducing us to one-dimensional creatures. We're just animalistic. We just have this one kind of thing, and, and we're not. You're, you are mind, heart, soul, and body created in the image of God. So you got to make sure you deal with the stuff that is spiritual, that is relational, that's driving a lot of it. Yeah, so... So I think there are two ditches we can fall into, we, and uh, we often, humans love to do that. We look for the ditch. That's why Jesus said the way is narrow, you know, because and on either side there's a ditch, and we're like, oh, where's the ditch? So I can run into it. And that's not the way to live. We need to have the discipline to go, okay, I'm not gonna write off medical things, but I'm also not gonna treat that like that's the whole answer to my deal that's going on in my life because God created me. And so if you take a pill and then isolate, that's not healthy. Take a pill, but don't dive into your faith and being created in the image of God. That's not healthy. So it's, gotta, it's both and, not either or. That would be the way that I'd respond to that. I love that. Yeah. What a, that's a powerful, holistic approach. Yeah. So. Okay. We are, yeah, it's so important, I think, to understand you are not a one-dimensional creature. And if you're new to all the church thing and the God thing, if I can help you see that, that you are not as simplistic, you cannot be reduced to just the things you do every day and you check the boxes and you eat, breathe, drink, sleep, you were created in the image of a God who is multidimensional. He, is, he has these different facets of his personality and his existence and, and you've gotta tap into all of that to be mentally healthy. You are mind, heart, soul, and body and if you make one part of yourself healthy and reject the other parts, that's not full-blown mental health. And so I think there's a huge connection between our faith in God, our relationships with people, the condition of our thought life, our life and our emotions, and our mental health, and then the medical side of it as well. Yeah. yeah. That's good. All right. Good. Okay. So this is interesting because this one kind of borders physical and mental health kind of all put together. So this question was, I am currently struggling with an eating disorder. How do I see myself in the way that God sees me? Wow. Oh, I don't, I don't know who you are who asked this question, but um, first and foremost, I wanna um, just let you know that that moves my heart with compassion. And I think there are, there are certain parts of mental health struggles that for me, I don't understand. That's one of them, right? I don't have any personal experience with that. Anxiety, I have personal experience. Depression, I have someone close to me, Susie. My wife shared her story. I have some experience with that. I don't have experience with this one. And so I wanna you know, 
tread lightly in the sense of having the humility to recognize that I don't know what it's like to be in that place. And I don't know all of the things that got you there. I don't know the experiences you had, the traumas you suffered, the, the things that you see when you look in the mirror. Uh, but I, this is why I would go back to that. You're, you're more than what your body looks like. And I, we live in a culture, I'm telling you, this is one, I think this is one of the biggest invisible battles we're fighting. We're fighting for our, our souls and our minds and our hearts because we live in a world that's reduced everything down to our bodies. And you, you are more than that. And that image that you see in the mirror is one dimensional. It's an important dimension, but it's one of several. And so I would say to someone who's struggling with an eating disorder, first of all, I hope that you are seeking help. I hope that you're talking to a doctor. And if the doctor you're talking to doesn't have the expertise, I hope that you find another one. I want you to seek out medical help in that area. I hope you are connected with people around you who can see the other dimensions of you who will look beyond just the external dimension. And if you have someone in your life who is feeding the unhealth that's driving some of that, I hope you would have the courage and maybe even in this moment could receive the courage to put up some boundaries and say, I'm gonna put some distance there because I'm responsible for my own mental health. And then I hope you get around people who can love you and that you don't look to them because that's unhealthy. Look through them and see the God who is prompting them to love you just as you are. And I would say as well that I, I do know there's hope because I know people well who, even though I haven't experienced this, don't have anyone in my family that's experienced it, I know people who well who've walked through this and are on the other side of it and have hope, and they may still have to battle some of the things that triggered uh, that season in their lives, but they're on the other side, they're finding freedom, they're finding the other dimensions of their lives, they're finding purpose, and I would just encourage you, if this is you, to get medical help because I think if you are at this place where it's become a disorder, there's a medical part of that and you need, you need that help and that intervention. Get around people who can see the other dimensions of you. And then maybe, I don't, I don't wanna make this trite, but I wonder, the question specifically was, how do I see myself the way God sees me? I would start to find some of those scriptures that declare that we are made in the image of God, that we're beautifully and wonderfully and intricately designed by our creator, that when we're in the womb, before we could even look in a mirror, we were designed by God, we were chosen by God, we are loved by God. And I would stand in front of the mirror and just quote God's word yeah. to that image that is, that is being distorted and just keep, and is that a flip the switch solution? No, but there is a, I think, power in quoting what God says is true to what the enemy says is true over and over again and, and conforming our minds to God's word. So, and uh, I love you if this is you. And I want you to know you're in a community of faith where you're welcome just the way you are. And we see the other dimensions of you and can't wait to celebrate your healing. So, yeah. I always think about Psalm 139. You are fearfully mm -hmm. and wonderfully made. Yeah. So that's just small enough to fit on the post-it. <laughs> yes. that script for the word of God. So yeah. I love that. Okay, so next question. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You're doing great. I mean, okay. yeah. I mean, you got some water, so I thought maybe it was like getting a little hot. The questions get too difficult. I will just take four minutes and 30 seconds to slowly drink this <laughs> bottle of water, you know. All right, next question. How do I control my emotions when something triggers my anxiety? I literally feel like I cannot control them in those moments. Great question. And this is, I can speak to this from experience. 
Um, so I don't, you know, whoever asked the question and each of you that may be struggling with this, I don't know your unique experience, but I can speak to this from my own. So number one, you can't. You cannot, if your goal is to 100% control your emotions at all times, you're already done. <laughs> like, it's not gonna work. That cannot be because control is actually what gets us in those unhealthy places in the first place. That grasping for control that we all do because we all wanna be little gods. We all wanna be in control. We all wanna be like, it's my life, it's my world, it's, I'm gonna control this. And I think the more we try to control our emotions, the more trouble we find ourselves in because whenever you try to control some, something or someone, you create an unhealthy dynamic. And some of us have a very unhealthy dynamic with our emotions. We live in this constant tension with our emotions because we wanna control them. And they're like, oh, that's the perfect door for you to open for me to control you. When control enters any kind of relationship, it gets bounced back and forth like a ping pong ball. And some of us, that's where we are with our emotions. We're in control, our emotions are in control. Who knows on any given day or with any given driver on 95? We just don't know, right? We don't know. So I think a much better plan is to say, I'm not gonna try to control my emotions. I'm going to regain leadership of my emotions. So I have this whole kind of thing and it's not all original to me. Somebody made this statement and it, and it for me, started to kind of spin, I'm gonna preach on this eventually, so come back, uh, because I think the way it works is our emotions are our employees. Each of us is the CEO of our, of our own world. Now, we are under the lordship of Jesus Christ, so maybe a better way to phrase it is we're the COO, I don't know, the chief operating officer or uh, something like that. He's in ultimate control, but he has designated authority to us, and we do have authorities different than control. Control's manipulative, authority, authority's part of the healthy thing that God's placed in the universe. And so our emotions are our employees. So what does any good leader of a company do? Any good boss do? You're the boss of your emotions. Bosses don't try to control. That's a toxic environment. You ever work for somebody who tried to control you? Did you wanna stay? Were you like, I, want, I just want this company to succeed? No, you stole the stapler. Like you, you start, you're like, you wanna be toxic? I can be toxic. You were at the water cooler, you know, like when we used to go to work in person, you know? You were at the, you were at the water cooler, can you believe that? So what'd you get? Toxic dynamic. Boss is trying to control you, what are you trying to do? In your own subversive ways, control your boss. That's again, where a lot of us are with our emotions. Great bosses don't control their employees. Great bosses lead their employees. Here's the vision. Here's where we're headed. If you wanna work here, you gotta be on board with that. But good news, it'll be a great place to work. If you love this vision of where we're headed, you're gonna love it here. I'm gonna listen to you. I'm gonna support you. I'm gonna take care of you. Your input is welcome. Ultimately, though, I decide the vision of this organization. That's how we should respond to our employees. Oh, anxiety, did you show up? Okay, I understand, you're an emotion, you're fit. you work for me though. Remember, this is where we're headed in life. We're not headed to a place where we're constantly frenetic with anxious energy and don't know what to do. We're headed to a place of wholeness, peace, and security, and purpose in our lives. So anxiety, you can get on board with that or we're gonna have to have a hard conversation. <laughs> Anybody tracking with this? Is this seven people? So I'm just... <laughs> or you're, you're having hard conversations right now with your emotions. But I'm just telling you that the, the control thing is a dead-end street. You're, we do not decide our emotions, just like a good boss, a good leader of an organization does not decide what their employees do in any given moment. That's manipulative. I can't, I lead a, a group of staff and, and I believe, by the way, that that's servant leadership. That's what God's called me to do. And leaders here, I don't, I don't control everything those people do. I try to lead them, feed them vision, encourage and support them when 
they're going the right direction, lovingly correct them when they're not. That's good leadership. Regain leadership of your emotions. That's maturity. That's what healthy maturity is. The ability, by the way, to do right things in the absence of right feelings. I don't, can you imagine if I stopped leading this church with vision every time somebody kind of went off the rails a little bit or had an issue with it? Oh no, what am I gonna do? I'm paralyzed. No way. That's not good leadership. I'm getting worked up here, I can tell, but. You should preach, you should preach this. Yeah, that, I think there's such a correlation between how we lead families, teams, companies, and how each of us leads our own emotions. And again, as followers of Jesus, our devotions lead, our emotions follow. Our devotions lead, our emotions follow. That's a great principle for marriage. My devotion leads, my emotion follows. So when emotion shows up that's not aligned with my devotion, I don't rearrange my devotion to line up with my emotion. My devotion lead, my, leads, my emotion follows. Good. Yeah. That's so good. Cool. I love that. <laughs> Always think about ownership. That's one of our core values. Yeah. Ownership. And yeah. that's really what that is, taking ownership of our emotions. Yeah. So that's powerful. Yeah. All right. I think we have about time for two more questions. Great. Ready? Ready. Okay, this one's a tough one. Okay. <laughs> the others weren't. <laughs> Save the best for last. <laughs> um, all right. So this person asked, how can a loving God allow us to suffer so much mentally? Wow. Okay. So first, very quickly, I preached on this a few weeks ago. If God is so good, why are things so bad? And you know, this is not, I just would encourage you to go and watch that message on our YouTube channel. And it's not gonna answer all your questions, but I try to address some of what lies underneath that question. Uh, but in, a, in, in four minutes and 35 seconds, um, how do I say this? I think it's the wrong question. Like, I think we are busy going, how could you let me go through this? And God is going, why don't you see that I'm meeting you in this? That's at least my experience. And that's not a, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that it's not a weighty question or a difficult question, but again, it assumes that we know more about the universe than the one who created it. And it also is very much a, a one-dimensional, I'm gonna live for 80 or 90 or 100, hopefully, years, and that's it. And if that's true, the question makes complete sense. If there's a good God who says, okay, you get 80, 90, 100 years on this planet, um, and you're gonna go through a lot of suffering, and then that's it, the question makes a lot of sense. But it's kind of like, it's kind of like, <laughs> an ant saying, why is this crumb so heavy? Like there's a sense in which I think we have lost sight of mystery and wonder and eternity. And the reality is our 80, 90, 100 years to God. It's, it's a, so we're saying, how could you let me suffer for two years? Which is like, you know, 4% of my life or whatever. And God is going, no, this is 0.00000001% of your life. We're eternal. We're gonna last forever. And if, if we don't believe that, I think that's where we get stuck. And God is going, you can't see what I see. And he is causing all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 
and that it is not our recipe. It is not my recipe. And by the way, I think for me, I'm not putting this on anyone else, but one of the things for me, because I've struggled with this question, I still do. I have moments where I'm like, God, how could you be letting this go on? And it's, it's a weighty question. It's an important question. But for me, I've had some moments where I go, man, it is interesting to me that I am much more perplexed by why God allows me to suffer than I am as to why he allows the person who lives eight houses down from me to suffer. Just a thought. And again, I wonder if sometimes we're, we're missing God. We're going, how could a good God allow all this suffering? And God is saying, I'm such a good God, I put you on the planet in the midst of this suffering to make a difference. That's how good a God I am. And I think he shows us that in the way he sends his son, Jesus. And Jesus, the only thing better than never suffering is facing it head on and coming out victorious on the other side. And I think God understands that so well. We see that in his son, that Jesus did not, he despised the pain of the cross. He did not want to go through that. We see him in the garden the night before, weeping before his father in heaven in his humanity, sweat like drops of blood. That's a medical thing. He was in such a state of stress that his body was breaking down. And then he goes to the cross and he dies. Why? Because he looks through the pain and sees the joy of the outcome of our salvation. And I wonder if sometimes it's not, it's just the wrong question. The right question is, God, here we are. What can I do about it? Am I engaged? Am I loving the people who are suffering? Am I serving to make a difference? And so, man, I don't, I don't have an easy answer to that question. And I think a better question is, I think there are a couple better questions. One, why would a good God allow his son to go through what he did? And the answer is for our salvation. Ultimately, why God allows suffering is for salvation. And I, I just think that God put us here in the midst of that to make a difference. Uh, so fill that question with acts of making a difference, is what I would say. Yeah. I love that. When I keep hearing you say purpose, yeah. when you're talking about that, it's another mm-hmm. question. That is what, what carries us through those moments is a bigger purpose, yeah. being able to see a bigger one. So. Yeah, and that's such a connection with mental health. And that's not just, a, that is now, researchers are discovering that, um, that when we, when we lack a sense of meaning to our lives, transcendence, which you cannot find in a completely secularized world. That's why we're here. There's something, our souls were made, we long. If you're just an animal, you don't long. Your golden retriever is not at home right now going, man, I just am trying to fill this void in my life. That is a distinctly human thing. We're created in the image of God. And the only thing that will, possessions will not fill our longings, pleasure will not fill our longings, properties will not fill our longings, only purpose will fill our longings. It's just a reality. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do one more question. Cool. I know this is something you've worked through a little bit. Yeah. So uh, this is our last question. Somebody asked, social media. Oh. I knew you'd like it. All right. Social media is intended to connect us, but why do I always feel more disconnected after I spend time on it? All right, so uh, I want to say up front, here's my disclaimer. I don't want to be on a soapbox about this, and I think I don't want to be overly black and white. I think there's value to social media. We use social media as a church to connect, to tell stories, to encourage. Uh, we, We try to use social media to prompt and unite 
rather than divide or you know, create this sort of disconnection. But here's my short answer to the question, all right? So the question is, social media is supposed to unite us and connect us. Why do I feel more disconnected after I've you know, <laughs> scrolled for half an hour? And here's the answer, ready? Because that is exactly what social media was originally designed to do. The only way the social media company wins, whoever it is, is if you go, I'm not fulfilled yet. They don't win if you're like, oh, that, I feel better. I'm good, don't need that for another week. They don't win, it's, that's not a win. They only win if you're like, it's, I should go to sleep. But this, oh, you had that for breakfast? That looks amazing. Do I like it? Oh, let me wrestle with that. I don't know, okay. That's the only way, like, that's the only way they win because that's how the algorithms work. That's the whole thing was designed for you to stay on as long as possible, crave more, and never be fulfilled. I'm just, so I know I said I wouldn't get on a soapbox. That was a little soapboxy, but. So use it as an occasional tool, but, but the moment we get sucked in. So here's a decision I made for me on a personal level. I went off all of social media personally uh, for 21 days of prayer and fasting this past January, and I just never found my way back on. You know, so here we are almost nine months later, and, and there are pros and cons to that. Like there are some of those interactions that I miss, and now I'm having to watch because now I, I can get like on other social media platforms and be like, oh, well, I'm not on it, but I'm, oh, look at that. There's a video about how to fix your lawnmower. I don't even have one, you know, like it's, um, so, <laughs> so I, there's, it's always trying to, but, but I, here's what has been amazing for me is that social media, I think, can prompt FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. And I am learning about JOMO, the joy of missing out. I have, no, I have no idea what you had for breakfast and couldn't be happier. Like, I'm just so glad. Like, I wanna know what my wife had for breakfast, I, but I don't care what you had for breakfast. Like, I don't, and I feel like now I can have more authentic kind of, and here's what's happening for me nine months later is there, that created a void and I'm learning to fill that void with more like actual interpersonal relationships and conversations. And some of you would say, I am too busy to join a J group or to get connected or to get around other people, but add up all the hours that you've been. It's the social, have you ever seen someone half an hour on social media looking like they're full of joy? Isn't it like, Like, it's just, so, <laughs> if you work for a social media company, thank you for the good work you're doing in the world today. Um, but I just, I, it one-dimensionalizes us. That's what it does. It reduces us to a heart or a comment or a, like it's, and that's okay, but it's not all. And we need real, so the reason you feel disconnected is because you're using a product that was designed to leave you wanting more. So fill that more with real relationships with people. Get in a J group, get connected with other people. Start being in an environment where you're, you know, because real, real people don't work the way social media works. You don't walk, unless they're weird. Like you don't, you don't walk up to somebody, you know, and go, hey, how was your weekend? And they're like, well, give me 15 minutes to craft it just right before I post it to you. That's not how life works. 
Like life is real, it's messy, it's raw, it's, but by the time we're reading something that some people applied seven filters to, it took them 19 minutes to write just the right post, you know, or they're on vacation every four days. Like it's, it's leaving us with this massive fear of missing out. Welcome to the joy of missing out. There is joy in missing out. Feel free to miss out on a few artificial connections so you can have some real ones. That's what I would say to that, yeah. Okay, I said that was the last question, but I mean the real last question. You didn't tell us on Instagram. So what did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I just, we don't care. Same thing I have for breakfast yeah, every, every day, day of my life. Two pieces of whole grain toast, almond butter with a little bit of honey. honey. Same thing. Okay. Creature of habit. Oh, man. Yes. And see, you don't care. See, they don't care. <laughs> like, care. This proves my point. All they right. don't care. We won't yeah. tell them any other guy. Yeah. That's our secret, what he has for breakfast. <laughs> all right? Awesome. So, that's it. You that's did it. it. You survived the <laughs> hot So, I'd love for you, if you wanted to take a couple of minutes, I thought there was so much in there, so powerful, um, but I'd love for you to just take a moment and pray for us. Yeah, I would love to do that, and thank you guys for being a part of today. I'm well aware that, you know, in a few minutes I can't answer our biggest mental health questions, but I hope if nothing else today gives you a couple of things. One is permission to, to be honest about what you're dealing with permission to have conversations, and then number two, an awareness that you are in a community of faith where it's okay to not be okay, and we are real church for real people. What that means is not like we just sit around going, well, we've got all this stuff, we don't know what to do about it. It means that we're taking steps, but they're broken and imperfect steps, and that's okay because we're human. We're pointing our lives toward Jesus, doing life with each other, and I hope it, it reminds you of that today. And the last thing I would say before I pray is I believe like one of the strongest uh, connections or associations with good mental health, with being healthy, is being in life-giving relationships with other people. You need more than the acquaintances you chat with at work or, or the people you're on social media with. That's okay, but you, we all need more. So it's Connect Weekend. Get in a group this weekend. Do life. You say, well, if I get in a group, will it fix it? No. If you get in a group, you'll be in an environment where you can begin to grow and, and take shape and change. You say, well, what if, what if I don't like the people? Well, if it's really bad, pick another group. But, but on the flip side, like I would challenge you, that's how real relationships work. They're not always, they're not, it's not all about you just getting a fix. It's about you getting in an environment week after week. There's something to the rhythm that's really important, and I would encourage you to do that. So, yeah, so I wanna pray over you. I'm gonna um, just stand up for a minute because I'm, I'm out of the hot seat now, um, and I wanna lead us in prayer. So here's what I would encourage you to do here in the room, Hokessin, online. Just open your heart up big to God, and uh, let's pray. Father, we love you today. God, I'm, I stand here right now so grateful for the privilege of being a part of this church. I'm a member of this church before I'm pastor of this church, and I'm humbled by that. This is my community of faith, and I love the people in this room. I love the people in Hokeston right now. I love the people online. But I know that you love us more than we could ever possibly love each other. And I pray for the person right now who's struggling with mental health battles. I pray for the person battling with anxiety, dealing with an addiction or depression or eating disorder, maybe struggling with bipolar or some other a mental health condition that's, that's straining them. God, I pray that you will speak hope and peace into their souls right now, into their minds. I pray that you'll take away the shame, the loneliness and isolation 
God, I come against any spirit that would tell us that our lives don't have value because they're broken. You showed us, God, in your son when he was broken for us that you love broken people and you love broken things. And we give ourselves to you today. We surrender ourselves to you. And the people we care about who are struggling with mental health issues, help us to take the pressure off ourselves to have magic words. Help us show love and compassion, kindness and grace. Be an anchor to people. And we thank you for this and believe you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And for some of you today, I want to take one more moment because if you're in the room here in Newark or Hocassin or online and you don't yet have a real relationship with God, you don't know Jesus for yourself, that is God's great purpose for your life. And while I believe that you can discover a lot of help in a lot of ways outside of knowing God personally, like there are things you can take advantage of in this world to get better, I believe also with everything within me that it won't be enough without God. Every one of us was designed to know God, and the way we know God is through putting our faith and our trust in Jesus, making him leader and Lord of our lives. And if you're here today, again, here in Newark and Hocassin online, and you wanna begin a relationship with God, I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer to take that step. Right here, right now, this can be your moment. So I want everyone to join me again, open your heart up big to God. And if that's you today, right where you are, whisper out a prayer of faith. If you want to begin a relationship with God, something like this. Use my words if it helps you, but pray with faith. Jesus, today I believe in you. I make you leader and Lord of my life. I believe you died to forgive my sins and you rose again. I lay aside and let go of the life I've been living without you. And I receive life in you today. I'm going to follow you. And if that's you, here's what I'd love for you to do. While everyone around you is focused on God, I'd love for you just to lift your hand and hold it up high. If you would say, I want to be included in that prayer. I'm putting my faith in Jesus today. Putting my trust in him. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And Hocas, and hold it up high. Online, let us know. Type the word faith in the comments. And then everybody, will you help me? Come on, let's celebrate. Let's give honor to Jesus for changing lives. <laughs>